Hello, everybody, and welcome to Socks on Tap. I am Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Tony Marchese. Tony, we are talking about a White Sox winner, the second in a row. Uh, they defeated the Detroit Tigers by a score of 7-4 to four to open this four-game set in Detroit. How are you feeling about this one? Uh, Johnny, how how are you, man? That's that's my first question. And my second question for you, when's the last time you and I got to sit down and talk about a winner? feels like it's been a while. Yeah, for a winner. Yeah, I mean, we talked about <laughs> plenty of losses over this past week. But, yeah, no, for you and me, a winner. Uh, no, honestly, Tony, I'm feeling good. Um, there, there's a lot of good stuff to go over from this game, one that I just pointed out to you right before we started this call. Um, but we will get to that when we get into the nitty-gritty. But, Tony, I'm just happy to uh, talk about consecutive White Sox wins. feels like they could not stay. They didn't. They not doesn't feel like it. They just couldn't string any of those together during that homestand, which is disappointing. Yeah, um, consecutive wins. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely a different feeling right now. Um, but I just want to go back to something that we've talked about a lot, and that's beating divisional opponents, and not only just divisional opponents, teams that you should beat. This was, I don't want to say an easy win because no win is is just easy. You ha- you have to you have to show up. But tonight was as close to an easy win as you can get. I mean, the Tigers are bad. 32-76, they are not a good team. Um, this would have been a tough pill to swallow if uh, the Sox came in and, and dropped this one, um, especially with Lucas Giolito on the mound. I mean, th- this was just a recipe for success for the White Sox. The bats continued um, where they left off yesterday. I didn't get to watch that game yesterday, but you, know, you put up put up more than five runs two games in a row. That's that's good. The the offense is here. It's back. Um, You know, I'm happy with this victory. Um, Like, again, like I said, you beat a team that you should beat. And, you know, you got a you got a pretty decent start out of Lucas Giolito. But um, if we want to jump into the pitching, Johnny, did it feel like Lucas Giolito got hit around a little bit and, and was kind of, in my opinion, saved and bailed out of a few different situations where the game could have opened up a little bit for Detroit? if it weren't for some really clutch double plays. Absolutely, Tony. And you say hit around, he definitely did. I mean, he gave up eight hits, uh, three earned runs, walked two. Uh, he did strike out eight, so that was encouraging. But uh, you're right about that double play there. Um, uh, that was a consistent theme a couple of times that it got him out of it. Um, and, you know, in, he has a little bit of a rough stretch from the second inning through that third Um he gets two outs to start the second inning, and then uh, there's a single, back-to-back singles, and then a third single that drives in a run that gets Detroit on the board, and then he finally gets a strikeout to end that inning. Um, but, you know, you, you like to see someone, especially with Giolito's uh, prowess this season, bear down and just get that third out, uh, get us out of it. Maybe give up one hit, but then, you know, you don't let the uh, bleeding continue. Um, three singles in a row there. Um, and then the first batter of the third inning was Jacoby Jones, and he had a solo shot out to right, and that tied the game. And then uh, Goodrum doubled right after that, and Benetti had pointed out on the broadcast that was, you know, five hits in the last six batters at that point. So uh, I definitely think that there were some kinks, but then there was also some positives. Um, one that I really want to turn to is Lucas Giolito's last inning. Uh, I know I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but if we're going to talk about the negatives, I will talk about a positive. You talked about those double plays that got him out of it. Um, thank you, Miggy Cabrera, in the fifth for uh, helping us out there uh, on one of those. But in the sixth, what, I, what I'm getting to here, 
So um, Dixon triples to lead off that inning. Castro has an RBI ground out uh, that puts the Tigers within one. It would be 4-3 at that point. Uh, Giolito gets a K, and then Reyes gets a single. So, you know, the pressure's back on. Ricky comes out, and you would think that they're going to the bullpen there, but Giolito says, no, I got it. And then he gets Rodgers to strike out uh, on his 107th pitch, his last pitch of the game. Um, he he came out and Cordero came in for the seventh then. But I, I was, uh, it, for his kind of rough, Not I guess it's not rough. I mean, he still get the win and he, he still struck out eight, so not rough overall. But I'd say it was gritty, Tony. I, th- I think that's the best way to describe it here. It was a gritty start by Giolito, and I think that uh, – that strikeout after Ricky's mound visit in the sixth just kind of showed uh, a type of hunger that, that I was happy to see out of Lucas Giolito, even in a so-called down performance for him. Well, you know, anytime a pitcher can walk away and the team gets a victory, that's great. And, you know, he, Giolito, eight strikeouts tonight. He did give up one long ball, but, you know, I think I think Lucas kind of needed that, that victory tonight. Um I know a lot of people don't really hinge on those wins and losses as much as they they did in the past, but uh, especially after uh, Giolito's last start against the Mets, um, you know it's good to see him walk away with the win in this one. Um, confidence builder, I think, is a good way to put it. I, I don't, I don't think that uh, that the Tigers were going to come in here and and knock Lucas Giolito around as much as they did, but you know just to walk away with the victory. I think is great, and I want to move into the bullpen a little bit here. Uh, Cordero, man, he's been uh, he's been one of the favorites of this team. They've they've been using him a lot um, since they picked him up. Uh, one inning, gave up two hits, struck out two though. Uh, he's got some impressive stuff. I don't know what what your thoughts are on him, but um, kind of an interesting find as far as uh, you know mid season pickups go in in, in Cordero. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, Cordero's biggest thing is location. If he can locate, then he can strike guys out like that because he does have some decent stuff. So, um, you know, the, the two hits, he's able to alleviate that, um, clean up his own mess by getting those strikeouts. So uh, th- that is, it, it's kind of a diamond in the rough sort of thing. Uh, I'm not going to call him a stopper, a complete uh, reliable bullpen arm at this point. I think the sample size is still too small at the major league level. I mean, hell, he was only called up a couple weeks ago. So, um, but when you look at Charlotte's numbers, though, uh, throughout the year, he, he was one of the better options that you had to pull up from AAA. So uh, I, I am impressed with what I've seen so far. I think command is just going to be the biggest thing for him. He's got to stay consistent with that. I mean, think about how many guys that have had good stuff but just can't command it. Uh, Tiago Vieira, guy who's stuck in AAA now. Um, there, there's a number Carson of Fulmer. Yeah. And you got, uh, yeah, uh, him too. And then, uh, Awan Manaya. I mean, he can have some effective stuff, but he, he was never able to locate consistently. So, uh, I think that's going to be the biggest determinant on whether, uh, Cordero is a mainstay in this bullpen or just your kind of, uh, eat innings guy. Yeah. I, and that's, uh, that's, Something that we'll have to watch develop over the rest of this year. I, I feel like they're going to utilize him a lot, at least from what we've seen so far. Uh, they really want to figure out what they've got in this guy. Um, other relievers using this game, Jace Fry uh, came in, and uh, he did walk one, but he was pretty clean through that inning, didn't give up any hits. Uh, Jace Fry seems like a Jacqueline Hyde uh, candidate of the year if we're giving out a Jacqueline Hyde award. Um 
he could be completely on and just throwing bullets, or he could be completely off and screw something up. So it was a little nerve-wracking to see him come in there. Uh, I believe he worked the eighth inning. Um, you know, you, you don't want to see Jace Fry go in there and, and give up a bunch of runs. Obviously, Ricky's been kind of quick on the leash with this kid uh, this year as far as uh, not letting him get into too much trouble. But, um, you know, I, I was surprised that we didn't see uh, Bummer uh, or uh, Evan Marshall in this situation. But obviously, we have the doubleheader coming up tomorrow. Um, a lot of these relievers are probably going to get a little bit taxed. I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, but um, there's rain in the forecast. This could get a little weird tomorrow. And then, uh, obviously, you have Hector Santiago starting game two. And we'll get into depth with that. But, you know, it, it was good to get out of this without using your bullpen A squad, I think. Um, you know, obviously, Calame comes in and shuts the door. Uh, made it a little bit interesting. But, um, you know, I, I think that the bullpen usage today was, was pretty good. I was, I was just surprised. I guess that uh, you didn't go to a complete stopper to just make sure that uh, this wouldn't get out of hand, but Jace Fry did the job and I, I was really happy to see that. Um, and you know, you've saved some of those guys now for tomorrow. Cause you're going to need, you need everybody on deck is, is I guess what I'm getting to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, I was going to have to stop you right there when you're going on your Jace Fry slander train, um, because I will not tolerate that. Uh, Jace Fry is my guy, as you know, uh, has been since last year. Um, you were riding him pretty hard. I love him. I still, I still uh, love him. And I'll stick up. I don't know him. about that. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I what I said was I had my tinfoil hat take, Tony. I said that him and Aaron Bummer switched bodies. That's what it was, because um, <laughs> Aaron Bummer was a little bit, you know, disappointing last year, and then Fry was disappointing to start this year. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're no, you're right. It, with Jace Fry, they kind of do have a short leash on him. He can be like a one batter type of pitcher. Uh, if he comes in, walks a guy. Sometimes Ricky has pulled, you know, uh, pulled him right after that. But uh, after that walk to Castro, uh, he induces a pop out and then a double play. So double play not only benefiting uh, Lucas Giolito tonight, also Jace Fry. So um, I said I had to come in and stop you there. But you are totally right. Um, I didn't want to divert too much from that. We will need all hands on deck. It's a doubleheader schedule tomorrow, whether we get those in or not. Um, that depends on the weather up in Detroit. But, um, you know, you, you still got to prepare for it because, you know, that's that's what's on the slate. That's what's on the schedule. Uh, you got to be ready for it. And it, it will be nice to have a fresh Aaron Bummer, a fresh Evan Marshall. Um, and, you know, probably see some of these guys that threw tonight out of the pen uh, in the second game, I would imagine, Tony. Yep. Now let's jump over to the offense, Johnny. Uh, I don't think there's really much to talk about Calme. We know who Calme is, and uh, he's uh, he's a shutdown closer. Uh, he he didn't have that uh, save situation coming into that, but um, you know he he did his job tonight. So let's get over to the offense. One of the things that I want to talk about, Johnny, I'm normally really really hard on these guys about their hitting with runners in scoring position, and tonight five for fifteen. What a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, I, I know that it's the Tigers. It's a little bit different. They don't exactly have the, the best arms. But 5 for 15 and runners in scoring position, if you're doing that, you're giving yourself a damn good chance to win a ball game. Uh, I, I loved what I saw here tonight because, I, you know, this started early. This started really early in the first inning, man. You know, you load the bases up. Mm-hmm. You, you need to score runs in those situations. And the Sox delivered. 
I love seeing that because if we let them off the hook in the first inning, man, I would have been absolutely ballistic. I would have been pissed off. <laughs> just, you know, the, the same old that's so White Sox mentality. And I, I know that's become kind of a little bit of a, a dig. Uh, you know the the socks are not always as we as we joked around about and not maybe maybe not joked around about but they don't seem to be opportunistic and they had a very opportunistic opportunity in the first inning and they actually delivered on it Matt Skull man talk about a guy who's come up and made an impact since he since he arrived um you know just getting the job done because when you have Eloy Jimenez and Tim Anderson sandwiching a guy like Matt Skull you wouldn't expect Skull to be the guy that delivers in that situation you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm totally okay with if you're less than less than two outs, just and you got to run around third. Get that sack fly, man. Just drive a run in. I don't care how you get it done. Ground ball to second base. Get the run in. You have to. It's it's just you talk about opportunistic, and I love that word. Get that run in by any means. You know, I, I'm not an advocate for bunting all the time, but if that gets the run in, I don't care. Score runs. That's what you have to do to win ball games. And you know, a little pop fly single out to uh, center field. You know, split the defenders. That's what gets the job done. It's it's not always going to be the long ball. You have to produce these runs, especially when you've got guys on second and third. It's so important. So I, I really liked what I saw right there. Get on the board early. Give a guy like Giolito some run support right off the bat. Let him come in, you know, with a lead. It lets him work a little bit, you know, more at ease. I loved what I saw in the first inning there. Um, You know, just I would have liked to see Eloy and Tim Anderson pick some more guys up in that situation. But if a guy like Matt Skull is going to deliver for you, I don't care who gets the job done. Kudos Mm -hmm. right there. Five five for 15, man. That's, That's a big improvement from what we normally see. Uh, you know the one or zero for twelves um, that we're that we're we've been talking about in the second half. That, that's big. I, I don't know what you think. Huge. Yes, absolutely. I, it goes back to my word, and I loved using it. I think I beat it into the ground. But you know what? We're going to keep using it. Opportunistic. Uh, that's what Matt Skull was in that situation. The little. Uh, okay, so here, here's here's a burning question that was posed. It was posed by Beeflo from the 108 on Twitter. Uh, tagged friend of the show. Aloha, Mister Hand. Was that a duck snort or a Kansas City special? Before you answer, I have Kansas City special down in my notes. So what's your take on Matt Skull's RBI double? I'm doing finger quotes in the air since you can't see listeners. Uh, What was your take on Matt Skull's RBI double in the first inning? So I saw that tweet, and I loved it because it could have been either. You know, I love the word duck snort because – it, does a duck snort? I, I have no freaking idea, man. I, it's I don't a hawkism. Know. It doesn't matter. It's a hawkism. It doesn't matter. Uh, but so is a Kansas City special. Yep. But does a Kansas City special have to be in a game between the White Sox and Kansas City? What would Hawk have said? Um, I'm going to go with Kansas City special just because – you know, you go back to duck snort. I feel like a duck snort is more of one of those, you know, just hits that goes over the, over the shortstop and lands in. There's not yep. many guys within like a, 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 the vicinity of the ball. But yeah. a Kansas there's, City there's special three closing in. There's three closing in. Yeah, so, a yeah. Kansas City special is you know Alejandro Diaz pulling up on a ball and it just dropping right in front of him. You know, yes. that's a Kansas City special right there. So for me, that was a Kansas City special. Uh, hands down, I, I, I've got to go Kansas City special on that one. 
I love it. I just had to interject there because it's funny. I keep, you know, we use the box score, as we had mentioned, for these uh, to kind of try and break them down for you. But I also keep a running list of notes, and I've sent them to Tony. He's gotten a good chuckle out of them, but I put my own little spin on it so I, I can bring up points like this and we can have good uh, conversation points because you and me, Tony, we are both huge, huge Hawk fans. So um, uh, it was good. To, I, I like your explanation of it, and I think of it the same way. There were three guys closing in on it. The second baseman, center fielder, and right fielder, I believe, all closing in. Yeah, uh, I, I, I right really feel the like ball. the Kansas City special is one of those things where a guy probably could have caught it but did not. Yes. You know, uh, that's, I think, a good a good ruling right there. Yeah, I like it. Um, if we're going to continue on the offense here, uh, it picks up again for the White Sox in that fourth inning. Uh, we had Timmy lead off with a single, McCann with a double, and uh, Yolmer grounded out, but like you had said earlier, any way you can get him in, uh, it's an RBI ground out that uh, put us back in the lead after, uh, you know, we had mentioned Giolito's little struggle in the second, third inning there. So that put the Sox back in the lead three to two. Uh, Lurie popped out, and then um, McCann went to third on a wild pitch. And then Ryan Goins, man, a guy that's been coming up in Sox on tap content lately, Tony, uh, he has his own Kansas City special to center field uh, to put the White Sox up four to two. Ryan Goins, man, is there is there a better representative of you just socks on tap guy? I don't know. I I really can't answer that question because you know we ran the poll the other day. Keep one, the other one goes away. Ryan Goins. I mean, I just like what I see out of the guy. I, I don't know why he's just. He's the type of guy that's not going to be around here if a team's competing. But, you know, he, he seems timely. He's filled in okay for Yohan Moncada. He's filled in for Tim Anderson okay Ooh, when Tim Anderson I, was gone. I, I got a good stat for you. I believe it's Chuck Garfine. Um, this so I'll credit where it's due. Chuck Garfine during the game uh, after uh, Goins reached for the first time in this game. Ryan Goins has now been on base in 14 of the 18 games he's played since being called up to the White Sox, Tony. And see, that's the type of thing that uh, it flies under the radar um, that, uh, you know, people aren't going to look at and, and and think, wow, Ryan Goins, you know, he's he's done well because he's just he's a backup guy. He's one of those four A guys, I think. But his game is different from a guy like Jose Rondon in the fact that, you know, Jose Rondon did a lot of his damage via that sneaky home run or, you know, just very sparse shows of major league talent. Ryan Goins does it completely different. He he he's like death by paper cut. I think he's a gamer. great way to put it. Yeah, he's a he's he's or a Brendan gamer. type. He's a gamer. Yeah, exactly. You wanna go you wanna go Blackhawks hockey. He's one of those third, fourth line guys that just gets shit done for you. And, you know, I don't know if there's a there's a place for Ryan Goins on this team going forward, but he's a really decent ball player that I'd love to have on my AAA team that I could call up in the event of an injury, that I could bring up and, and replace a third baseman shortstop. I'm sure he could probably play second, too. And this guy's going to come into your lineup. He's going to get on base, and, you know, he's going to come up with those timely hits. I, I don't want sneaky power if I'm getting a backup guy. I want a guy who can, you know, show a little bit of speed, come through with some timely hits, and play a, a decent defense. You know, he, he hasn't really 
shown any weaknesses really as far as I'm concerned on the field. Maybe I'm missing something here, and, and there could be a, a glaring play that I'm completely missing on this, but I, I haven't felt worried when he's out on the diamond. I don't know about you. No, I haven't. I think I'd mentioned it on a previous show. I think he's only made two errors max uh, in his time here, and he doesn't have the strongest arm in third, but he gets the job done. Um, he's got a good transfer, and that helps him get the ball over quickly to uh, compensate for his arm strength, whereas, you know, we're used to having Yohan Mankato over there who's got a cannon. So um, I'm with you. I like Ryan Goins for the time being. No, I do not think he is has a place on a competing team. But you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I would like to have him in a triple eight uh, to call up in those instances where you have an injury to some of those, uh, you know, star players, so to say. Um, he's a serviceable fill-in, um, and I hope that continues for him. I, I know it's still a small sample size, whatever it is now, 18 games that he's played with the White Sox, but um, a, a guy with that type of mentality, um, e- even if he is not, even if he goes 0-4 in a game, he, I feel like he is going to still make an impact somehow or just make the fundamental plays that he is uh, needed to make in the field. So um, that ends the Ryan Goins I got one. I got our, one more. Oh, I got one more. Run, Ryan Goins thing. Oh, do you? Okay, good. Good. You know, Continue. He, he gets overtime. on base. He gets on base. Yeah, overtime. Ryan Goins right here. I like that. The overtime brought to you by Ryan Goins. Uh this guy knows how to walk. He does. Yeah, he walked in the first. He game. knows. Yep. He knows how to walk, and they trusted him in the number two hole today. Because why? He gets on base. That's yeah. that's why they trust him in the number two hole. Um. And I like seeing guys walk. It's kind of is brought on by a, a White Sox Dave tweet where he said, you know, Ryan Goins has more walks than Timmy. I think it was like 200 less plate appearances. I don't have the tweet pulled up. But then I started to kind of go and dig. And Ryan Goins can get on base in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. You know, and I talked about death by paper cut. A guy that takes walks up at the top of your order is very important. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Ryan Goins should be betting two every day, but what I mean by this is, you know, it, the, a lot of people want to see Timmy in that two hole and I'm just going to transition off of this. Timmy doesn't get on base enough to be a number two hitter. He really doesn't. Not, not um, consistently enough. Not consistently enough. And if, if Timmy were to walk a little bit more, Timmy would be far more dangerous of a baseball player than he currently is. And, you know, I think that, you know, for as as hard as we were on some of these lineups earlier on in the year where, you know, you see Timmy batting seventh, you know, he's back there today. That's why Tim Anderson is not a get on base guy. You know, he, he's a hitter and that's it. He's he's very aggressive. Yeah. He's going to swing at some balls out of the zone. And, and that's what's going to happen. But let's transition this into some Tim Anderson. And I'm also going to bring this to James McCann. Um, both these guys had two hits tonight. They were they were down. Tim Anderson had three. Tim Anderson had three. Did he? Because Oh, yep. yeah, he did. Three he had for three five. Hits. Yep, wrong, wrong column there. He scored twice. That's what I was looking at right there. Yes. Um, three, three hits, scored twice. Uh, McCann, two hits, scored twice. And then uh, Yelmer Sanchez, also two hits. So the bottom of the order getting the job done tonight. Johnny, that's important for a team that wants to continue to, to you know move the line a little bit is that bottom of the order. Now, when you saw the bottom of the order with guys like, you know, Yolmer, Adam Angle, Ryan Cordell a few weeks ago, not exactly the same type of bottom of the order that we saw tonight. This is important. This is 
this is the type of stuff that you need. And the White Sox haven't done that on a consistent enough basis from the bottom of the order to get the job done in the second half. Um, you know, so very good to see that tonight. Yeah, absolutely. That was going to be my next note as you were kind of transitioning into the Timmy thing there. Um, I was happy to see that. And it looks like he's just seeing the ball a lot better. Um, I was just waiting for it, Tony. Um, I think the home run on Sunday helped just as psyche. I, I do think that it, it matters more than you can quantify in your fan graphs or baseball reference uh, breakdowns of anything. So well, maybe I'll uh, take action here. I mean, Timmy's an emotional guy. You cannot put that into numbers. Um, it's kind of also just a human thing, uh, confidence. You have a good performance, and you're feeling good about yourself, and you're not putting as much pressure on yourself the next time you have to come up and perform in a situation. Um, you know, t- Timmy went one for, I think it was four or five on Sunday's game finale in Philadelphia, but he hits the one home run, and he comes out here tonight and goes three for five. I, I know it's Detroit. I know we had gotten to their bullpen early, which is another thing that I was going to bring up, uh, getting Turnbull out of there after three innings. That was excellent because you are just wasting them already uh, ahead of tomorrow's doubleheader. But uh, back to Tim Anderson, I, I do think a lot a lot of it's mental, a lot of it's emotional. Um, people forget that. Baseball players are people too, Tony. Are you telling me that there's more that matters than just war? No, actually, I was yeah. That was all. That was all crap. War is the only thing that matters. Okay, F war sure. specifically. Okay, what about B war? Is it no? Because that it doesn't take into an account as many uh, variables. So oh, okay. F war only. Right. Just, yeah. You know, I, I can't. I can't keep them straight anymore. There's just too much. And you know, I, I was. I was told that uh, you know emotions and you know. The things that go on in people's lives don't really matter. It's just all about, no, all they about don't. war. It's only statistics. Okay. All right. Well, we've got that straightened out for everybody. Um, <laughs> you, I love what you said, though. Timmy, it's, I, we kind of make light of this. It's, it's so, you know, and I've always been on this, man. Baseball is more than just statistics. You know, it's confidence. It's you know what was your last plate appearance how do you how are you feeling in that moment you know it's it's everybody who goes into their job every day is bringing something with them and you know for for a guy like Timmy who's gone through as much as he's gone through off the field um not only in in years past but this year the injury the slowdown he was he was kind of having his breakout and then it gets cut short um on a on a really bum play in in the rain and, you know, you get through that and then you're frustrated. You know, they're probably just as frustrated as we are watching them right now. Some of these players who are going to be here for a while, um, you got to imagine that that starts to weigh on you a little bit. You know, why does this suck? Why, you know, we talk about on Socks on Tap, why can't we have nice things? You don't think Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez and, and even Moncada are sitting there going like, why can't why why can't this just be as easy as it is for other people? You know, they they see what's going on around the league. So, mm-hmm. you know, you bring up a really good point there. You know, Tim Anderson, you know, coming through on and one at bat and then coming into the next game feeling good. You know, it, there's there's something to be said for guys who have that confidence in that moment. And you kind of saw that a little bit today. And I really liked what we got out of out of Tim Anderson tonight. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't check his Twitter, but did we get a Timmy you so nice from, from our guy, Janda? 
I did not see it. Um, I also did not go and seek it out, so I am not sure. Uh, that is to be determined, Tony. Uh, but I think that will wrap up our Socks on Tap sports psychologist segment of this show. Um, and I will move into another topic that I love, which is insurance runs. Um, eighth inning, you had a McCann RBI single to extend that lead to 5-3. to three. Um, Lurie, you know, it's not pretty, but a sack bunt that uh, moves some guys along there. And uh, then Jose Abreu coming through, RBI infield single. And that wasn't pretty either. But, hey, he got the job done there, extended that to 6-3 to three there. And then John Jay comes through with a true RBI single, 7-3. Uh, I love insurance runs. Tony, how about you? I absolutely love insurance runs. They are my favorite kind of runs because it means you're already winning. Um, yes. You know, that's and, and that's important, too. Uh, when you, you've got your opponent down, I, I look at this like a boxing match, man. If you've got this guy up against the ropes, knock his ass out. Just knock him out. That's all you got to do. You know, don't let up. Um, you know, there's Insurance runs are cool and tough. They are very cool and tough. So is beating the hell out of your opponent. You know, just, just I, I love that all-out go-for-the-kill mentality. And that's what insurance runs are. Um, one thing that you, you bring up here in James McCann did you notice something different about his approach tonight? Honestly, not a whole lot. What, what did you take away, though? So I'll, one of the, I'll things, let you that, one of the things I got out of James McCann's approach tonight was that he wasn't trying to pull the ball as much. He was he was doing what he did in the first half and going the other way with it. Um, we saw a lot of James McCann to to right center in the first first half, and we kind of saw him take the ball the other way on those pitches on the outside tonight. I really liked seeing that from him because, you know, we got this from unprotected socks and one of those meatball takes, you know, going, you know, trying to pull the ball is cool and tough or whatever. I forget what he said, but James McCann's success hasn't been with pulling the ball. When, when James is trying to pull the ball, you start to see him hit those weak grounders. And tonight he went the other way a little bit. And I like that. You just continue to do what works. Are, are and you trying to tell what, me that, that James McCann isn't Jose Abreu? I thought everyone could I, just pull the ball like that. No. <laughs> hey, you do what you got to do, man. But Oh, no, I, I know I'm with you. Uh, I, I agree with you. And I, I think Andrew Kinsler has a good article coming out in the next few days about uh, James McCann's approach, uh, first half versus second half. And uh, that is one of the things that you will highlight in there. So we will have some visual evidence of that uh, to back it up. And we will put it out there um, probably in the coming days on, on tapsportsnet.com. Um, but, yeah, I think that's what James McCann needs to do. I also think there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, revenge, you want to call it, tour that he's on whenever he comes to Detroit at this point. I was going to say this. I was going to say the same thing, too, is uh, – you know, you go back to the to the hometown that you played for for so long, and you just want to show those guys up. You know, mm-hmm. but wait, Johnny, we determined about a few minutes ago that there's no emotion in this game. It's no. completely emotionless. This game is played in a vacuum. Yeah, statistical vacuum. Statistical vacuum. Um, meatball take, right there. I think the game is played in a statistical vacuum. That that is the meatball take of the day. Um, there is no motion in baseball. All right. Um, <laughs> we're going to leave this game at that right there. There is no motion in baseball. It is played in a statistical vacuum. Uh, everybody's going to remember that one. Now, let's get into what we got the rest of this series. Tomorrow is going to be a very jam-packed day for the White Sox. 
like you we've mentioned multiple times, doubleheader tomorrow. Game one, we've got Dylan Cease up against Daniel Norris. Cease coming in one and four with a 6.43 ERA. Ah, that's not good. Um, but Daniel Norris, three and eight, four, six, seven. Um, this is a very winnable game. It's a makeup of the 420 rainout uh, that we had. Um, what are you thinking about the game one here, Johnny? Well, every game against Detroit should be a winnable game, Tony. Uh, it's uh, I'll throw a shy sox Jonda out there. Uh, you got to beat up on the teams in your division, and you got to beat the opponents that are lesser than you. And both Kansas City and Detroit are both lesser than us in this division. Uh, the White Sox aren't great by any stretch of the imagination. They are 49-61 after tonight's W, but uh, Detroit's 32-76. and uh, You know, Kansas City floundering as well. Um you got to take care of it. And I think uh, Dylan Cease, you know, the, the numbers aren't flashy there. One, one, four, six, four, three ERA, like you had mentioned, but de- definitely still very, very winnable game. Um, I, I would like to think that he is going to get some more run support than he has in the uh, past couple of outings uh, this time around with, you know, just the trend lately uh, from Sunday's game into tonight's game. And then I would hope that translates over. It's a fairly quick turnaround. A, uh, 12:10 p.m. Central Time start, so that's 1:10 out in Detroit. There, um, I, I hope the guys are just loose and uh, ready to play. Uh, support Dylan Cease here, so even if he does give up three, four runs, it, it's not an issue, and he can, you know, hopefully cut down, uh, you know, uh, not add to that loss column. I guess is is the bottom line there. Um, but yeah, we we know that Dylan Cease has the stuff. Uh, I think the cease hammer, uh, that's what it's, it's going to be a hashtag, Tony, the cease hammer, uh, maybe T-shirt later on, uh, maybe next year when he's more established in, in a full year in the big leagues. But uh, no denying, he, he's got a great curveball. Um, it's going to be a location. It's gonna also going to be uh, just a timely thing, as in you had mentioned before, you feel like he comes into the first inning and he's fine. And then the second inning is where he starts to get roughed up. You and I were there on Thursday afternoon against the Mets and uh, Robinson Cano, it's a home run. And luckily he was able to get out of that second inning with only one there. But uh, I'd like to see a couple scoreless to start this one and give the offense a chance to get out in front for him. So then maybe he's pitching from a point of confidence, Tony. Yeah. I just want to see Dylan C's continue what he did when we were at the ballpark. Um, You know, we talked about him trying to get through that second inning uh, last time he gave up the he gave up the bomb, but then he kind of settled back down and got through it. Um, I'm still waiting for those first three innings to be clean, Johnny. I really think that that'll that'll continue to spark some confidence for him. Um, you know, I go back to that confidence word. Um, hopefully, he knows that this game is played in a vacuum, statistical vacuum, and that uh, it really doesn't matter as long as he just continues to uh, you know put up numbers. But um, Dylan Cease. As, as long as his FIP's good, then that's yeah. As long matters. as his, his FIP's good, we're we're okay. Now, um, you know, and the average exit velocity on uh, opponents hitting against him. Yeah, and his 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 stay low. I want a spin rate to be through the roof too. Yes. that's the other important part of that statistical vacuum. Man, we're just really hammering on these sabermetrical statistics tonight. Um, <laughs> the spin rate is good on the curveball, though. I will give credit there. I'm sure it is. I haven't looked it up, but. God damn, I'm sure it's it's just fine. Um, now, I think game one, as long as the rain holds off here, and we, we kind of talked a little bit about the weather earlier, uh, they're expecting 
some storms to roll through Detroit tomorrow. As long as the rain holds up and we can get a solid four or five innings out of Dylan Cease, uh, I think that's going to be good. What I don't want to see happen is this game get uh, delayed in rain for a, uh, an extended period of time in around the second and third inning and then Dylan Cease not be able to come back out. Um, just for his development, uh, we saw this with Michael Kopech last year, getting these shortened starts over and over again. Very good um, point. You know, you, you don't want to see that for your young pitchers. Um, kind of an interesting choice here. I haven't really reviewed the weather report as much as I have uh, for, for a bunch of the previous games we've done Sox on tap with. I just know that there's, there's going to be storms in the area. Um, you know, I, I'm surprised that you don't go Hector Santiago in the first one. The, the, the second matchup, Hector Santiago is going to start. But, um, you know, you, you, you probably want to throw Dylan Cease in the game that you have the best chance of getting it in and allowing him to go four, five, maybe six innings. We saw him get stretched out a little bit in that start last week. You know, I want to see him continue to get to those later innings, sixth, seventh. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's on a pitch count. I don't exactly know where it is, but you'd like to see him get that kind of work in because those first few starts were kind of short and it's starting to get, you know, a little bit more lengthy for him. I, I want to see him continue on that trajectory because next year you want Dylan Cease going six, seven innings every time he's out. Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't put it better myself, Tony, and I had to say great point when you brought it up with Kopech last year. Uh, it seemed every time he came out to pitch, it was raining, and uh, you know a couple of those got cut short. So um, I don't want to see that happen to Dylan Cease. I think that's an interesting uh, point that you bring up, that why not have Santiago start the first one, Cease the second one, but obviously it's been set in stone for a little bit. I feel like Santiago was the later add, and they just want to keep a young pitcher like that on a routine on the schedule. Uh, here's when you need to be ready to go. Uh, get your body ready however you see fit. Um, so, And that also affects throwing programs in the days leading up to it. So I do think that probably plays an effect into why Dylan Cease is the pegged starter for game one. Uh, it's probably been decided ahead of time. And Hector Santiago is a swingman. You, you can kind of throw him in where, where you need to. So um, I think it's just more comfort for the rookie and having the routine um, working him into that is why he is there. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, when you're talking about Hector Santiago, I think we hit uh, Cease pretty good there. Um, game one, I just hope the offense continues. But uh, game two, don't know if we're going to get it in. Uh, the highest chance of rain right now as you record this 1124 Central Time uh, here in Chicago, the highest percentage chance of rain in Detroit tomorrow after, or evening is 6 p.m., and that is right at uh, before start time of the second game, uh, 55% for, uh, when the game would be starting at seven Oh five. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get both of them in. Uh, it looks fairly, it says scattered thunderstorms, but it's 50% basically from two o'clock all the way until 55% at eight o'clock. And like I said, that spike in the 60, uh, about an hour before game two start time. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I know stone and Benetti were talking about it on the broadcast today. Uh, we wouldn't mind having, uh, one of those games pushed back to make the double header on Wednesday instead of tomorrow, because we have an off day on Thursday. So, uh, it wouldn't be as hard as in the white Sox, but the tigers do not, uh, the tigers do play on Thursday. So uh, they're up right after that. So I would guess, you know, home team uh, kind of going to play into whatever their uh, favor is going to be. So uh, I, I would expect to, even if there are rain delays, uh, look for two tomorrow. 
Um, that's about all we can give you, though, on the uh, predictions here. Uh, one thing on Hector Santiago, uh, he was with the White Sox last year, uh, innings eater type of guy. He uh, was with the Mets organization earlier this year in AAA for them, and then he also pitched in uh, eight games for the Mets, 6.75 ERA. Um, and then while he came back to us, while in Charlotte, one and four with the 5.84 ERA, seven games there. So, um, I mean, you're probably going to be bridging that. I mean, you're probably going to try to get as many as you can out of him because you would still have another game to play on Wednesday. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets cut short, if there's a situation where Santiago gets himself into trouble if we went to the bullpen earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just I'm hoping if we get both in, man, we can we can make this two victories. I I love doubleheaders. I love doubleheader sweeps for the White Sox, especially against divisional opponents, especially if we're talking Detroit, Minnesota, Kansas City, anybody in the central throw Cleveland in there as well. I love beating them twice in one day. It's just so fun. You just walk away so happy. So, um, you know, that's I think it's it's doable tomorrow if the weather holds. Um, Hector Santiago is going to have to come out here and and pitch well, obviously in game two. Um, but uh, Drew Verhagen is not exactly uh, a world beater himself, uh, so uh, it should be some interesting baseball. I could see what, a lot of runs. Point six six ERA for Drew yes, Verhagen this season. Yikes! Not great, Bob. Oh, um, oh. You know, just just. It, game two could be so fun to watch. It could just be one of those, you More know, weird those, baseball, the, Tony. It, the weird baseball. I love weird baseball. Weird baseball is my favorite, um, especially after you've watched nine innings before it. Um, but uh, tomorrow, tomorrow could be a really fun day uh, to just sit back and watch all this happen. Um, with that said, Johnny, you came very close tonight. Oh my God! I know. You I was just about so to bring close this up. tonight. Um, you almost won some free food. And why don't you tell the listeners how you almost won some free food? All right, guys, if you go to secondcitypicks.com, uh, every day there is a game that you can make a prediction for what you think the final score of that game will be. Usually White Sox or Cubs while we're in baseball season here. Today it was the White Sox. Um, I went on, I kind of like to... Uh, hold my cards to my chest on these shows for you guys, not give you my official prediction, but since this game has already passed, I will tell you that I predicted a White Sox 7-3 to win tonight on secondcitypicks.com with my tiebreaker being the White Sox having 11 hits. Uh, Detroit's run in the ninth inning, although it did not uh, cause the White Sox to lose the game, uh, it, it put a little bit of a uh, uh, damper on my mood, Tony, because I was very, very close to winning some free grub. Uh, from Second City Picks, just for entering my email address and my score prediction for tonight's game. Um, but this is definitely the closest that I've come in it in uh, you know making predictions on SecondCityPicks.com. But I would encourage the listeners, Tony, um, maybe they can be a little bit more uh, spot on accurate than I was tonight. Um, go to SecondCityPicks.com. You enter the score of the White Sox versus their opponent or whether it be the Cubs versus their opponent. Then the tiebreaker is usually the number of either White Sox or Cubs hits. You enter your email address, and if you get it right, you get some free food, uh, a gift card to a Chicagoland uh, food establishment. It really is that simple, Tony. Well, man, there's nothing better than some free grub after you've been cracking them all night. And 
watching baseball, man. I mean, I I think that that's that's a perfect way to end your night of of cracking them, just getting some free food in your belly. That's, I mean, I'm probably gonna go up after we record this podcast and make myself maybe a hot dog, maybe some taquitos, but I would much rather go get that food from somewhere like Chipotle or Grubhub or wherever the Second City Picks is offering that night. Shake Shack, makes, I believe they've had. Shake Shack. They've had all these great establishments. I Lou Malnati's. They've had a bunch of stuff. You like free food? Go on Second City Picks. Make your picks. And you may be the winner of some some free food. And everybody loves free food. So make sure you're doing that. And make sure you follow them at Second City Picks on Twitter. All right. Johnny, tomorrow, pick to click. Let's do it for both games. Double it down. Who's your pick to click to perform in both of these games? The pick has to transfer. It's both of these games. We don't get to pick one for each game. Is that Uh, what you're telling me? Yeah, let's let's, let's do it that way. Oh, okay. Then model of consistency, Larry Garcia. Ooh, there you go. All right, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Tim Anderson tomorrow. Yes, I like it. Um, swagger back. Yes, that's, absolutely. That, 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 that that's a good term for uh, Tim Anderson there. Uh, swagger back. Uh, Tony, that, that's about all I've got. Uh, well, let's see two White Sox wins tomorrow. Yeah, let's do it. And I'm going to close this one out a little bit differently than I normally do. Yes, because it's it's always fun to say go White Sox, but we're both hockey guys, and I'm going to close this out with a Detroit sucks. Detroit sucks. Yeah, there we go. All right, Johnny. Detroit you have a good night. Detroit sucks. Right. Detroit sucks. Let's go White Sox. Detroit sucks. Detroit sucks. Detroit sucks.